Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. Now, executive condominiums are increasingly seen as a golden ticket for HDB upgraders with nearly 300 units yielding $500,000. That's half a million dollars in resale profit as at the end of August this year. The findings were shared by Orange Tea and Thai in its latest Market Watcher series report, which sampled the transactions of about 4,300 ECs. Joining us now is Christine Sun, Senior VP of Research and Analytics from Orange Tea and Thai. Hi, Christine. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us, Christine. Now, almost 300 resale ECs yielding profits of at least half a million dollars each. Nearly all ECs resold in the past 15 years here have made a profit averaging $300,000. That's a tidy sum. We understand that most of these units were sold less than 10 years after they were first bought. Just help us make sense of these figures and the reasons behind this great profitability. Maybe for a start, I'll give a bit of a background about this study. We conducted a study by analysing the profit and loss of resale ECs by doing a caveat matching. So this means that we match the transacted price of a particular unit that was bought and its resale price to find what is the profit and loss incurred for that unit. So in total, we mined a database of more than 27,000 EC transactions and we managed to match more than 4,200 data points. So we didn't match the rest, mainly because uh, the others, maybe they were not put up for resale or the owner did not lodge a caveat. So of those 4,200 over data points that we mined, we found that 99.9% of them made profit and the majority was sold less than 10 years with an average profit of around $300,000 each. We also found that bigger units tend to make higher profits with one EC in Tampanese making a gross profit of around $1.38 million, which was the record high profit generated for a resale EC. Another unit at Chachukang also made a gross profit of about $1 million. So all this data tells us that you know those people who bought resale ECs, they actually make a lot of profit over time. Okay, what are the main reasons for this, you think? I think these ECs are able to yield very high profits, mainly because of the general subsidies that were given to first-time buyers. So because of that, when they buy a unit, they actually enter the market at a very much lower price when compared to condominiums or other private homes. So because of that, demand has been surging as well as because prices of new condos in the suburbs have been rising over the past year. So we also see that because of that, it's driving demand for resale ECs because they are still priced much lower when compared to new condominiums. Okay, based on your analysis, Christine, how sustainable is all of this, though? I think prices may continue to rise for these resale ECs, mainly because prices of new condominiums, even in the suburbs, are rising. And some of them have already touched $2,000 per square foot. So as far as the price gap continues to widen, I think demand for resale ECs will continue to grow. Okay, another finding that caught our attention is the price gap narrowing between new and resale ECs. What do you make of this tapering disparity? What does it really suggest for investors? Mainly to explain why prices of resale ECs have been rising, I think it's mainly because of increased demand because they are priced much lower than other condos. And many people are actually aware that they can yield quite good profits when they sell. And the other thing that we noticed is also that since the pandemic, many resale ECs are actually quite popular among tenants, mainly because these homes are listed out at a much lower rate when compared to normal condos. So because of that, prices of resale ECs are rising and they are actually rising much faster than new ones. 
So if that's the case, then it makes sense for young Singaporeans to buy new ECs now because if they are eligible, then a rising price gap will mean that there is a potential for these new ECs to be resold at a much higher price in the future. Here's the thing though, there is some uncertainty as there always is, especially with the readiness of the government to introduce cooling measures. To what extent do you expect cooling measures to play a part here, if at all? Mm, I think that's a very good question because I think for these new ECs, it seems like many of the buyers are still very keen to buy based on the latest information that, you know, for Copen Grant, I think they have already received a lot of interest and also many people were visiting the show flat. I think the strong demand for EC is still there, mainly because of the lack of new EC supply in the market because uh, typically we see less than three EC projects being released every year. So demand has been outstripping supply and we see that the trend will likely continue into next year because there are also not many EC plots that will be coming up. So after the cooling measures, some buyers' affordability may be reduced because they are tightening the TDSR or the total debt servicing ratio or MSR, which is the mortgage servicing ratio. So because of that, they are able to obtain less loans. So they need more cash from other places. So what we notice is that some of these buyers are trying to top up the shortfall by borrowing money perhaps from family members or friends or relatives. Mm. And others, they may take up the deferred payments in where their mortgage payments will kick in much later. So because of that, we do see that interest is still quite high right now. If there is an outright recession, though, I doubt your friends or family members will be so ready to part <laughs> with their cash. Yeah, I mean, that will certainly curtail buying ability and yes. there will be distressed sales, wouldn't there? So what do you think of this prospect of possibly there being a recession and dampening the vibrance of the market? Well, I think right now, of course, the global economic outlook is getting cloudier, you know, with many things that are happening like in UK, slowing down, you know, inflation climbing up and so on. And of course, property market, certain distress is happening in China and so on. But I think for Singapore, if I'm not wrong, recently, I think the government did reiterated that perhaps the economy in Singapore, we may not go into recession as yet, you know. But in terms of the property market in Singapore, we do expect that with the worsening global economic outlook, in fact, more people may, like the investors may enter the market because the Singapore's properties have always been very popular among investors, especially as a safe haven asset and for them to park their money here in the long run. Now, I was also looking at the latest developer sales data from the URA. New launches in September push developer sales up to 125% month on month. Any thoughts on this, Christine? Well, it's not surprising that new home sales rebounded last month because there were two major project launches in the outside central region of the suburbs. So these two projects are quite special because one is Lentor Modern and the other is Sky Eden and Bedok. So both of them got more than 75% of their units within the first month. And I think the demand is still quite strong because many of these HDB upgraders who sold their flats in recent months, they are still looking for replacement homes. And these two projects have very good product attributes. For example, they are near MRT station, they have good quality finishing and most importantly, they were built by top developers. So this may explain why you know, there's still quite a good pick up in terms of sales for these two projects. Looking forward though, the pipeline supply of new project launches is expected to be relatively slim. What are you expecting in the fourth quarter of this year? Well, we are expecting less launches in the fourth quarter. So this may lead to slower sales numbers you know, for the last quarter of this year. So developers typically they will hold back launches towards the year end as many people will be travelling overseas. Of course, agents and customers will also be on holiday. 
So in Q4, apart from the two new EC launches that I've just mentioned, I think there may not be many major condominium launches above 500 units. So upcoming, for instance, the next two EC launches will be at Copen Grand and the other one will be Tenet. And we expect, you know, for this EC market, sales to be still quite robust. So most of the developers we spoke to, I think they plan to launch their projects from January next year after people return from the holidays. Christine, so far, the first nine months of this year have recorded almost 6,500 new private home sales. This excludes ECs. This is about 35% lower compared to the same period last year. To what extent do you expect economic concerns to cloud market sentiment and expectations next year? What's your outlook for next year? Mm, I think if we talk about the sales volume drop that you mentioned just now, I think it's more to do with a lack of new launches rather than dampen sentiment. Because mm. if we look at the recent suburban launches, right, even with a medium price of above $2,000 per square foot, most of these projects were still able to sell at least 75% to around 85% of their units within the first weekend of their launch. So we are talking about more than 500 units sold within a day. So this shows that there are still people who are keen to buy homes despite the economic uncertainty. Of course, having said that, I did notice a slight slowdown in terms of uh, resale volume these two months. So it could be because of the rising interest rates or it could also be because of a widening price expectation between uh, buyers and sellers. So moving forward, I think there'll be some impact from the new cooling measures that include a 15-month wait-out period for private home owners who are buying a non-subsidized HDB resale flat. So because of this wait-out period, it will make it harder for some of these private home owners to downgrade to HDB resale flat. So because of that, we do expect a temporary pullback in terms of demand for larger resale flats. And some of these people may also pull back on downgrading. So you, we may also see less condominiums being put out in the market and also this may lead to lesser resale transactions in the coming months. Christine, just one final thing. Private oh. home sales in relation to foreign buyers. Foreigners made up about 4.3% of total condo purchases in the eight months, up from 3.8% in the same period last year. You've said before that despite the increased additional buyer stamp duty, some buyers consider luxury properties here to be cheaper than in many other cities. I think because of all this, there have been some concerns about affordability for the rest of us. What is your feeling on this? How might this go? What types of pressure might this exact on the local buyers? I think if we put things in perspective, although more foreigners are coming in to buy properties, I think they are buying at a different market segment when compared to Singaporeans. And also, although there was an increase in terms of number of foreigners buying, we are not seeing like a you know, increase in thousands of numbers. The numbers are still manageable and still much lower than before cooling measures were implemented in December. So by and large, many of the properties right now are still bought by Singaporeans and these foreigners when they are coming in over the past you know recent weeks we have seen more of this interest from wealthy investors so they are buying perhaps you know the luxury condominiums super penthouses and so on so they are buying at another segment so of course with this cooling measure still in place the new changes or tightening in terms of TDSR foreign buyers are not really affected right now especially the very wealthy ones but definitely they are not the competitors you know so-called competitors of uh, Singaporeans buying uh, private homes right now. Thanks very much for that Christine. Christine Sun Senior VP of Research and Analytics at Orange Tea and Thai. Thanks for joining us. To listen to more great interviews download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. 
Available on Google Play or the App Store.